Thanks for joining us today to hear our latest Hope Central podcast. We trust this message will help you know more about Jesus and inspire you to be more like Him. Hey, um, we're talking this month about being excited to help. Are you excited to help? You know, most of the time I find that answer is no. You know, if you came, you just approach somebody in the street and ask them for help, they're not usually excited, are they? In fact, probably a lot of your day is kind of like more like, oh, do I have to? Rather than, oh, could I? You know, and especially, you know, as your life gets more complicated, there's lots of kind of demands and needs that kind of exhaust you, and they leave you in a position where you're just not as excited to help. You know, there's so many jobs to do here in our church and, and as a leadership team that we oftentimes find it hard to extract volunteers. And um, it's not because you're not talented, it's just you're not excited to help. So did I say something critical there? Maybe it was just a little too honest. That's, that's perhaps where it is. Today, I want to talk, and this we're talking about all this month, about how do we get an attitude where we really are excited to help? And I think it has all to do with vision. If you have a vision for what doing something would do to change somebody else or have a vision for how your contribution makes a difference or how a vision for how fun it is actually to change people's lives and be involved, as soon as you have that vision, you just jump right in. And today I want to talk about a specific way that we clarify our vision. I want to talk about today about how our gifts match our destiny. How our gifts match our destiny. And by that I mean you are custom made for a purpose. Custom made. You are, just think about this. You are custom made for a purpose. There's a lot of people today that talk about identity and the search for identity. How do I know who I am? What am I supposed to be doing in life? And people think about it in different ways, but one of the ways that they do is they think of themselves as a blank slate. Like I could become anything that I want to be. If I like this or I want to do that, that that's the thing that I should somehow pursue. That's the thing that I would like to enjoy. And we think of ourselves as an unwritten idea. But the Bible actually says, you are mostly written. There's lots of ways to be creative inside the scope of it, but you are purposely designed, and the life that God made you for is already written into your gifts and abilities. The thing that he has made you to do, he has gifted you to do. And that, for me, was one of the most important ideas that I ever learned in my Christian life. To know with confidence that God made me for something and I can discern that and discover that by discovering myself. By looking inside of my own gifts and talent reservoir to see what exactly I was made to do. Yeah, imagine, imagine this. Imagine that there was an animal school. And in this animal school there was enrolled the eagle, the squirrel, the rabbit, and the duck. I want you to try something for me right now. I want to test you in this. Try to say the word squirrel. Yeah, you got it wrong. I've just been trying that on all Australians. You just can't say it right. Yeah, wrong. Saying it louder doesn't make it better. All right. Squirrel. Squirrel. Yeah, you're just not getting it. No. Okay. Anyway, it's, 
it's not your fault, it's the people you come from. <laughs> but imagine, imagine that in this animal squirrel, this animal school, there was enrolled these four different types of animals, and each of them had to go and do the curriculum. So at the curriculum of the school, there was flying classes and climbing classes and running classes and swimming classes. And all of the animals, in order to graduate and become a proper animal in the animal kingdom, had to go through each of these courses because we know that these are vital skills for animals. So of course, away they go. And as they went through the courses, we've discovered these things. The eagle was fantastic at flying. He just shot around the skies like nobody's business. But when it came to climbing, well, he went to the bottom of the tree and flew straight to the top, clutched on the top branch. So they passed him, but he cheated. Then we got him in running. Have you ever seen an eagle run on the ground? It's awkward, you look away. So they gave him a swimming job. Well, he plunged straight into that water, flapped around, and he's like, swim, swim. All he did was flap. So he failed and had to take animal school for the rest of his life. Eventually drowned. The squirrel, they gave him a flying class, took him up nice and high, tossed him off the building, splat to the ground. They, he, the climbing, of course, he went straight to the top of the tree like nobody's business. And then, of course, when he came to running, he's pretty good at scampering. And then, of course, in swimming, yes, he sucked. Then, of course, we had the rabbit that did really, really lousy at flying, despite how many times they threw him. The climbing, he's got that really nasty rabbit claws. Fighting. If you're a Monty Python fan, you know where I've gone. But he couldn't get up that tree very fast. In the running, he was aces. He could outrace anybody, but it came to swimming. Now he just got wet. Of course, the duck, he can fly, but not like the eagle soaring around. And then, of course, he could not climb at all. Even when he flew to the top of the tree, his little duck feet couldn't grab on the branches. <laughs> he was terrible at running, but at swimming, he was really good. He sped along that pond. Do you notice how in the animal kingdom, every animal failed? They could only excel in some things, and in other things, they just didn't have the capacity to do something. But do any of us ever look at any of those animals and not go, well, they're not made for that. If you look at their design, they're just not going to be good with that. There are no wings on rabbits. <laughs> to expect flying is really ridiculous. Now, I want you to calm down. If you don't have a gift, that's not the job for you. Uh, now, this is something that was a big struggle for me for a long time because in the work that I do, I do a lot of work in an organized body called the church. There's lots and lots of tasks that require organization. I cannot organize anything. <laughs> so for a very long time, I felt the pressure to be something that I couldn't be. And in fact, there were times where I doubted my calling to be a pastor in the church because I thought, I just can't do this job. Everybody is asking organizational demands of me, and I can't supply them. And I'm letting people down, and people getting hurt, they're frustrated, I'm upset, and nobody's happy. So I actually went and saw other pastors and said, what am I supposed to do about this? And they're like, well, Joe, you're just not made for that. Thank God... I'm part of a body. 
I don't need to be everything. I just need to be me. And I think that's what the scriptures say to us. They really encourage us and they say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That God has purposely designed you, but by his own choosing. You didn't put in an order before you were born. I'd like to be rich and famous, please. I'd like to be a super talented singer. I'd like to look good in short shorts. You can't pick things. You just come. You arrive one day. And you have no power over the, the choices that God made. But thankfully, he also puts a delight in your heart. You see, God prepares the work for you to do by preparing you for the work beforehand. So that you can walk in it when you arrive into it. And I love this scripture in Psalm 139. As David ponders over God's planning in his life and says... You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. And when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was not yet one of them. God sees in advance. You see, when I say that God pre-programs you and pre-makes you for the life that you're called to live, he doesn't do so in ignorance nor in the desire to frustrate you. He makes you because he knows what's coming in the world. He knows if by planting you in a certain place at a certain time, that there's going to be certain things that are required and that he makes those people in advance of the requirements. There are broken people in this world that God made you to love. He knew that they would be broken, so he made you able to love. And what David reflects on in the psalm is he says, right in the very middle there, my soul knows it very well. There is something super satisfying when you finally look back at your life and go, so that's why you did that. That's amazing. That you have perfect timing and perfect placement. You made me for this. For now. And David finds a great encouragement to know that God's sovereignty meant that he wrote the days of his life long in advance of them ever occurring. We are custom made for our destiny. Custom made. You know, I'm... In the passage that we've been thinking about all this year, the final parables of Jesus, the parable of the talent starts out this way. It says, for it'll be like a man going on a journey, called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. You see, one of the things that we don't oftentimes understand about God is that God is not going to, nor does he want to, nor it is his plan to, to do everything. God distributes ability among humankind so that we can participate in his, God, his divine plan. But he doesn't do so just willy-nilly. He doesn't just throw a bunch of things here and throw a bunch of things there. What he chooses is he gives you gifts and talents according to your ability. Or he also gives you the responsibilities that go with your abilities. To some he demands more, to others less. Because what has been distributed in their life is different. 
And in every place of the world, it is wrong for us to suddenly get jealous and go, why did you give him five and only me one? So the question you need to ask yourself is, would you live the life of the five? Could you live the life of the five? You see, we all have a place. We all have a position. We all have a responsibility. And what Jesus' call was, what is in your heart? Do you want to live that thing out? Clarifying the vision for your life. What on earth am I here for? To understand that your gifts match your destiny, I think, is one of the most clarifying things that you can do in life that allowed a huge amount of encouragement because you will suddenly know that you were made for purpose. My vision. Well, I have specific visions, but I also have general vision. You know, I... I um, I became a Christian when I was nearly 17 years old, just on the cusp of turning 17. And I got involved in this Pentecostal church where um, somebody explained the gospel to me and I, well, I got saved. Now we've talked about what that means, but at that moment, what the Bible teaches is that when I opened myself up to God, God entered my life. He came and lived inside of me. And he gave me the gift of his Holy Spirit, meaning I suddenly had his spirit living inside of me, talking to my spirit. So one time we were in church, and the pastor had uh, on his heart to pray for a certain lady in the church who was critically ill, and I'd, I'd never met her in my life because I had arrived at this church later in its journey, and that person was, didn't attend because of their ill health. And so he said, we all need to pray for this person, so that's fine. Everybody's praying and believing Jesus for a healing. And since I didn't know who she was, I just said, Lord, Lord, heal her, and then I just had to empty time. So I said, Lord, just give me a vision for my life. <laughs> and suddenly, I had this enormous vision. I was sitting on a stage, a much bigger stage than this one, on some chairs at the back, and somebody was talking at the lectern. And they were introducing someone, and I realized as the vision progressed, they were introducing me. And I looked down at myself sitting there on the stage, and I had a set of notes in a folder. Then they finished introducing me, and they turned and welcomed me, and I walked up to the podium, and I opened my notes, and I looked up, and there were three levels of people in this crowd, thousands of people. And then the vision ended. And my first thought was, how in the world could I do that? Because I was 17 years old. You know what it's like speaking in public when you're 17? It is just a chronic embarrassment parade. You're, my ears would go bright red. I would stammer and stutter. I had no idea how to do any of that. And suddenly I had this vision, oh yeah, just do that? But at least I knew where I was going. You see, that vision has helped me understand that I'm made for this, right? That I, when I stand up in front of people now, it's not a challenge because God orders my thoughts and he gives me the things that I'm supposed to say and that there's been fruit from this, right? In fact, people think that it helps them. <laughs> you know, you could be confused. It's mass delusion. But one of the things that helped me as I 
progressed through the years is to really constantly be affirmed that if I'm going to make a choice between getting better at public speaking or becoming better at administration, I always lean to the thing that I'm called to do, right? Because that's the thing that God wants me to do. He doesn't give me a vision for the other thing. But the other thing that happened is as I went through my life, I remembered that God had made me. When I was a child, my parents for my sixth birthday brought me a record player, a Mickey Mouse one, where his arm had this little white glove. <laughs> a record player is this thing where you young people, it it's, uh, contains music. It's old school now, LPs, vinyl. But anyway, we, but my parents bought me this thing so that I could listen to music, but I don't like listening to music. So I got, I got that Bill Cosby comedy album as a gift, and I know that now we let's, let's not talk about Bill. You know. In those days, he was still safe. And my parents bought me Bible stories on LPs. And for years, the only thing I ever listened to was Bill Cosby's comedy and Bible stories. And then years later, I looked back, like in my 30s, I looked back and went, ah, you prepared me by making me love listening to Bible stories so that I could become a great Bible storyteller. And you gave me Bill Cosby so that I could learn to be funny. <laughs> hey, listen, nobody else in my family is funny. Are you laughing? I said that because I know it's funny. But I got trained by listening to Bill Cosby. See, what I've seen is that God has been specifically preparing me like he's been specifically preparing everybody for their purpose. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. It says, a man's gifts make room for him and brings him before the great. I prepared something. Does anybody know what that is? There's no hands up. If I was to put this in the care of some people in our church, for more than a few minutes, they would figure this out. Michael probably has already figured this out. You can tell, right, that it's meant to compress something. If you turn this rod, it makes this go smaller. I made this for a reason. Because I'm building at home, I'm, my study office was a bedroom. We want to make sure it can be a bedroom, but we didn't want a bed in the room. So we built one of those beds that goes into the cabinets and folds down. They're super heavy to lift. And I looked at the price of all the mechanisms to help it lift up and didn't want to pay it. So I made the whole thing myself. And now I'm making the mechanism to lift it back up. But I didn't design it right. I'm not an engineer, I'm a carpenter. So when it comes to the piston, I had to find a way to compress this. It's taken me weeks. And I made this tool for a purpose. Set it in the tray. I normally do this on the bench, sorry. 
tighten it up. But then you can't tighten it anymore. So I made it. I welded a nut on the end of it so that I could get my drill driver and put it on the end. But you all know, and right now it's going to happen, right? If I start cranking this, where's it going? Uh-huh. So, zip ties. Because <laughs> I needed to be able to take it apart when it was inside the mechanism. I couldn't just you know, put some sort of big bracket around it and then still attach it because there's no room. How would I attach it? It's in the bracket. How do I get it out of the bracket once it is attached? Aha, uh -huh. zip ties. See, if you put a couple of zip ties around this baby, do you know what zip ties are? They're just like one-way ties that... God's gift to it. <laughs> And if you just keep doing that, eventually it compresses right to the end. This is like 500 newtons of torque. It's heavy duty. But if you keep cranking it up, it goes down like that. But my point is this. If you had no idea what this was for, you would think it was just a bunch of rusty junk. But the maker knew what it was for. And without it, it's impossible. I had to make it specifically. I even had to notch this part out so that it would get around the bracket on the wall when I put it in there. And I realized that in life, God custom makes me for a very unique purpose. And most of us, though, we end up thinking of ourselves more like this really weird one-off. You know what the truth is? You're more like this. We're zip ties in life. There's this passage in the book of Romans. Sorry, I don't need that anymore. Oh, it's here. That says, so we, though we are many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts then that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he lists off seven gifts. And what you're going to see there, there's no gift of sewing. There's no gift of trampoline art. There's no gift of figure skating. There's no gift of singing. There's no gift of mechanics. There's no gift of engineering. There are seven types of people. So the one who... If it's prophecy, well, in proportion to his faith, if service in our serving to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let me break that down for you. See, there are seven types of people, seven types of zip ties. There are perceivers, those who have insight into things. You might be uniquely gifted to simply see past the surface of things. It might be people's motivations. You see through it. It might be what's really going on. You see through it. You might say what the real challenge is here. You see it. There's other people who are made to be servers. They are the ones who make and do. They can turn ideas and concepts into practical things that make a difference in the world. There are people who are teachers. 
And their whole purpose is simply to instruct, to take information and give it abroad. There are people who are exhorters. They're simply made to encourage so that nobody ever stops. They are givers, those who are in the world to find resource and provide resources. Those who are administrators, those who are there to organize work. And those are people who are gifts of mercy, who are simply there to care. One of the problems of thinking about yourself like this is it's sometimes super hard to find your fit. So the Paul and the apostles and the Bible does not say that you are so unique that if you weren't born on the 4th of January 1962 and have a specialized skill in auto mechanics, that you want, it's not like that. God specifically made you with a kind of gift that makes a specific difference in a way of the world. It has more to do with your temperament, your ability to understand things, your capacity in life. Because can you guess from that list what, what gift I have? The gift of serving and making awesome things, right? No. My number one gift is teaching. But I can teach children. I can teach old people. I can teach Australians, Canadians, Mexicans. I can teach anybody. I Going in a 10 days to Papua New Guinea, I can teach there. I can teach in any setting, in any place. And I can teach on just about any topic because my gift is teaching, right? So likewise, your gift of mercy is like that. You are specifically made to show mercy and care for those who in this world. Now the point of it is, what is the point of a perceiver who never warns? You see, some of you are fantastic perceivers and it works great for you in your life and your money and your time and your people, but you never share it with other people. You never prophesy. You never help. And there are people who are servers, but they never do. They make for themselves, but they never make for others. There are people who are teachers, but what's the point of being a teacher if you never tell anybody anything? Uh, information absorbers who never tell, or people who are exhorters who never encourage. People who are givers that never give, or administrators who just leave people to sort it out for themselves. And tell you what, there's a lot of administrators. If you're an administrator and you look at my life, you go, I don't want to help that mess. Well, you keep your administrative gift, and my life just keeps getting bad. Or if you're a mercy gift with a closed heart because the life that you've lived or the wounds that you've held or the pain or the trouble or the burden that it becomes, it ends up being a wasted life. And so the apostle says we have to use our gifts with faith. I would like to encourage you this. This is a little list of next steps for you. These are, these are four things that I found very helpful discovering what my unique zip tie is. Take a spiritual gifts test. There are lots of them online. Some of them are very extensive and some of them are very short. We offer one here in our uh, discovery course where you get to understand and know about the church. We want everybody to know their gifts. By knowing your gifts, you'll know an area of focus that you're called to. You should do a personality test. One of the things that we, the staff, has worked through is the Enneagram test, which is the IEQ9 test done online, which is a test to understand what kind of way that you live in the world out of nine different types. There's also the Myers-Briggs test, and there's lots of great things to just say, hey, you're different like this. And when you know you're different like this, you know what you've got to offer. 
Do a strengths test. One of the tests that I love doing was called Now Discover Your Strengths, the Strength Finder 2.0, uh, or the Clifton Strengths Test. That rather than finding out just generalizing, what are the things that you make an amazing difference at? And then, of course, ask your close friends and family. One of the things that I love doing, and I'm like, always a surprise at how the curiosity of my children would heighten whenever I would start talking to them about them. Because everybody likes to know more about themselves. And so talking with Lily and Charlotte as I grew up about, I see this in you. You're good at this. You always seem to struggle at that. I don't expect that of you. You're not a bird. Don't try to fly. Be a proper Canadian squirrel. <laughs> nah, wrong again. And sometimes that's a difficult conversation because people want to do a bunch of things that they don't have skills or talents or gifts in because those are the things that pay a lot of money and get a lot of fame. And then, of course, there's the thing that you actually love, that you thrive in, that you do really well. To have somebody else who loves you and cares for you, who's seen you at work in life, say, hey, did you know that when you do this, it makes this difference? Did you know that you make this touch in people's lives? To have people like that can be a great help for all of us. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, it says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his works, the first of his acts of old. What is he talking about? In the book of Proverbs chapter 8, it's revealed that wisdom is how God made the world. He smartly, wisely engineered the planet. But wisdom was not just an idea. Wisdom is a person. And that person is revealed to be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the creator who recreates us, is the one who wisely formed the foundations of this world. And so he says in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 30 to 31, Then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. I love this idea. In fact, this is one of the things that just... Oh, my heart gets so excited and happy about this. That God loves humanity so much that his joy is when we are using our gifts. He loves, he delights in the children of man so much that when he sees you doing what you were made for, and you go, yeah, he's up in heaven going, woohoo! Because he loves it when you do what you are. Because he has so wisely created you and so perfectly made you that he is celebrating when you find your fit. And when you get through your life and you go, I love doing that. That makes me so excited. I can't believe I got to do this. Oh, you should see my wife recently, Jody. She's, uh, of course, she started a clothing shop up at the Gawler Cinema. You know that, the Curate Clothing Shop. One of the things she loves is fashion. She loves fashion. She's on our budget. So there's limited fashion. She's been trained to be very fashionable on a very small budget. But she's awesome at it. And now she's running a clothing shop and evangelizing people. She's living in her perfect world. She's bossing people around all day, gifted administrator. She's living in a world of fashion. People come in, they're like, I don't know what to wear in my life. Like I do every single morning, I wake up. I don't know what to wear. Clothe me, woman of God. <laughs> and 
people, ignorant strangers are coming from the streets, not naked, but clothed in inappropriate clothing. And going, I don't know what to wear. And she goes through her shop of all of your clothes. And she picks the perfect thing for them. And they leave delighted. And she's delighted. And everyone's delighted. And we're all delighted. We're all delighted. And she talked to them about Jesus the whole time. And I think when she comes home, aside from the frustrating stuff, there are. But she sings about that. And what I know is, in heaven, God is singing too. He's going, yes, that was so, so great. I'll let her tell the stories of what she's been talking to people about, but again and again and again, she's been able to share the love of Jesus with people because she's doing what she was made to do, and it's a joy to her and God. What's your vision? Your vision needs to be based on the way that God prepared you to live. But once you clarify that, it's like you clarify why I'm here. So it's worth the trouble to dig in and to clarify the vision of why God made me. At whatever age of life, young, old, discover and be, and then you'll find purpose and joy in your life. Should we pray together? Father, I'm praying, Lord, that we would pick up this clear idea that we are not accidents, we're not self-made, we're not forging our own destinies, but Lord, we are discovering the destiny that you prepared for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to humbly search that out, to be willing to accept the way that you have made us and to discover the joy in that creation. Lord, I pray that you would help people to reach and to search and to discover exactly how and why you made them so that they are filled with a great sense of joy and purpose as they discover it and live it out. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to get excited again about living the lives that you have made us to live and not feeling as though the, the things that are called upon us in life, the things that are around us to do, that they would not feel like burdens to us, but they would feel like exciting opportunities to make a difference.